0: Hello
1: everyone, and welcome again to another episode of M three sixty five Voice. My name is Michael Arani.
0: I'm Sarah Hazi.
1: And I'm Antonio Maya. And again, we're gonna pick a question from the audience.
0: All right, Sarah. are you ready?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Here we go. What's the best way to manage Azure conditional access policies?
2: Ooh. that's okay. a big
0: question.
2: It is a big question. What a conditional
0: access policy. Let's start with that.
2: What is a conditional access policy? Mm -hmm. Um, So I can I can start. Uh, Conditional access policy is a policy you configure in Azure AD, which is evaluated every time someone logs in, and determines if you meet the right conditions to access M three sixty five or not just M three sixty five, but some um, Azure AD connected service. So it's primarily used for accessing M365, but you can also use Azure AD to log into other corporate services and the conditional access policies will be evaluated there too. Yeah, ultimately a set of conditions that determine if you're allowed to log in or not.
0: Right, so if I were gonna translate this from an end user or from a typical worker at an organization perspective, a conditional access policy is what would prevent me from logging into my work OneDrive from right. my personal computer. A yes. conditional access policy would prohibit me from doing that because I would be logging in from um, a device or um, a, somewhere that is not controlled by right. my right.
2: That's that's exactly yeah. right. Um, one of the common conditions that you see in conditional access policies are, is this person log in from a managed computer or not? And by not, we mean like a personal computer or something that's managed or by another company. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so that's one of the common conditions. Are you coming in from a, a a work computer or not, a managed computer or not? If not, then you don't get to log in. If you do, if you are, then you do.
0: Right. Or a managed mobile device via internet. can set up conditional access policies to basically draw a border web around what types of devices or computers do you want to be able to log into M365 and which ones you don't. That's right. So correct. Right. How on earth do you uh how do you manage? conditional access
2: policies? So it's it's a good question, because um, when you start looking at how many companies have conditional access policies, they often start um, uh, with a small set of policies and over time grow and grow and grow and grow. And before you know it, you end up with you know, 40, 50 conditional access policies, and you don't know what the outcome is gonna be. And it's important to know what the outcome is gonna be when you're looking at the policies, because the, the policies are cumulative. So when I log in, the 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 effect, the ultimate effect, is the sum of all of the policies that I log into. Sorry, that apply to me, right? So I could have one policy that says, "Is the user um, uh, connecting from a managed computer?" I can have another policy saying, um, "You know, require the user to MFA." Um, I could have another policy that says, "Is the user log in from a risky location or you know some sort of high risk scenario?" Um, And it'll be all three of those that cumulatively determine do I get to log in or not. So when you end up with large amounts of policies over time, it's really hard to understand what's the end result going to be. And in those policies, you can have inclusions and exclusions. So, you know, if I have one policy that is excluding a group of users, well, then they're, you know, they're going to get excluded from that policy. But I might not be able to tell by looking at these large number of 50 policies. So so to manage them, there's a few rules that I like to think about. Um, When you're configuring conditional access policies, keep that environment, and this is for your production environment, keep it clean, keep it pristine. Treat configuring conditional access policy like firewall rules, right? You don't go in there willy nilly and configure whatever test policy you want, right? You don't do that with a firewall. Don't do that with conditional access policies because these very much act like a firewall. Keep that environment clean with only your production policies that have been tested in another environment, ideally. Now those policies can be put into a test mode if you want, so there is that capability, but I prefer to do that in another environment, not in my production environment. Um, So having policies, sorry, having only policies that are production ready and tested, um, that's one kind of key thing, right? The other is, when I say treat them like firewall rules, you should have to go through an, a, some sort of a process, some sort of a governance process to make changes to conditional access policies or to implement them. Because it's really easy to lock everybody up with a conditional access policy. Um, and you don't ever want that to happen. So those are some of the key things that, that I would start with.
1: So to that point, uh, what if you don't have, you only have a production environment, And you really want to go and implement those conditional access policies, you've probably started with two or three or a handful that we consider clean that you must have. And then you start to grow those policies, how do you test them? Because in the conditional access policy, you have three options. You have an off. Information only and turned on. Do you use the information only as your test scenario? It's not really turned on, but it's a way to monitor how the behavior of that policy is.
2: Absolutely. There's a couple of a couple things you can do. There is that kind of audit mode or Mm -hmm. informational mode where you can see what the effect is without Mm -hmm. actually blocking anybody. Absolutely. If you've only got one environment, use that for testing your policies. Uh, But if if it turns out that you decide not to proceed with a policy, remove it. Ultimately, because I've seen a lot of environments where there are test policies that are left there disabled, but they're still in the production environment. And they've been there for a year, for a couple of years. And it's like clean one of the
0: things that you set a pristine environment. Right. So make sure that you're taking out the trash or you're taking out and and removing the elements that you're no longer using.
2: That's Um, right.
0: Another question. Uh, When you're setting up conditional access policies. um, Is it a set it up, and then you're good, or is it a you have to continually be paying attention to new potential ways as new features come out, new capabilities come out, uh, new security protocols come out, but you have to constantly be paying attention to it. It has to be well-groomed and managed over time.
2: I think it does require caring and feeding and staying on top of it, understanding new features that are coming into it in case you want to make use of, like, like all of M365. I don't think it's the kind of thing you have to look at every day, though. Um, there are certainly there are sign-in logs that that are created as part of logging in. Those are important to stay on top of and monitor. But the actual policies, um, I do think you know an annual audit of the policies is worthwhile. Um, it is not the kind of thing I would check in every day unless you have a lot of people that are that have access to your conditional access policies, which you shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, I would say um, staying on top of it on some sort of a regular basis um, is is a good idea. Um, And to that end, you should really limit who has access to modify them, right? There's a specific role in the um, Azure AD Admin Center for a conditional access administrator. Make use of that. Only enable that through PIM uh, if you're going to modify a conditional access policy.
0: And please, because we've talked about this on so many episodes, I'm a huge fan of you need to have a racy model to manage who should be responsible for, accountable for consulted and informed about your Absolutely. conditional policies. You need to have that defined. Yep. And ideally, it should be defined, not just for Antonio is responsible and accountable for, but that you should have primary and backups or a core yes. team or a role type that is yep. responsible, accountable, consulted and informed. So that way you have an ongoing management plan.
2: Very much so, uh, completely agree. Um, the other thing that we like to think about <laughs> with conditional access policies is a separation of duties. Right? So you've got the people that make decisions about what the policies should be um, and who are accountable and own them. And then you've got different people that are, you know, go in and actually make the changes that are operators that actually implement them. And neither should the two have the same access. Right. The operator should have access to make changes, but not actually make the decisions about them. They can have input, of course. The people that make the decisions should not have access to actually go make the modifications. I have found it's too easy for them to say, oh, I know how to do this, I'm just going to go do it, and not necessarily follow the right process. Um,
1: but that, to, so that, to that point, and to go. your previous points about multiple policies, have you ran into a situation where there's a conflicting policy? So yes. if, let's take an MFA, or multifaceted authentication is a, the basic example. If you have a couple of policies, that I am a member of both, one says yes MFA and one says no. Which one wins?
2: Uh the most restrictive will win. The most restrictive. the most restrictive policy will win. But you bring up a good point. Like the way I like to structure conditional access policies is when I look at that list of policies, I can just visually run through them and get an idea of what they are going to do. Right. And and that points to a couple things. Um, it's important to have a good naming convention for your policies. Um, uh, when doing naming conventions for those, um, I like to usually start it with a verb, right? Like allow or block or require some require. I'm not sure if that's a verb, but, um, allow block, that kind of thing, make the names short, make them succinct, um, and try to make them, um, uh, just something that's easily read and understood. Like, like some of the examples are, you know, allow external browser access to apps and require MFA. You know, that's fairly short. It's a few words. You can read through it and you can understand what it means. Uh, Block the Azure admin portal for all standard users. That's another one. Um, You know, block high-risk sign-ins. Allow MFA enrollment from a trusted network. These are kind of common policies you put in place, but having a standard naming convention that you follow means that you can go through them easily just by looking at the console and understand generally what's going to happen. I find that's, that's usually a good practice. Um, I think it's
0: a really good idea to use active short names and active verbs to start off each ones that yeah. you could read them, especially if you need to have a transition of responsibilities, that it can be obvious. Don't yeah. be abuse uh, when you're trying to name it, make it as real world as you can to describe what it does.
2: Exactly, um, and when you're designing your conditional access policies, and it's important you think of them from a design perspective, um i do like to think of them from an access methodology first so what that means is um you know you you think about how are people going to access these apps let's say and drive your policy from that perspective and what i mean is like um people are going to access them through 365 apps or other apps through a web browser okay so if they access them through a web browser here's the conditions they need to meet they're gonna access them from a mobile device. If they mm-hmm. access them from a mobile device, here's the conditions. They're gonna access them from a desktop app. And if they're gonna do that, here's the conditions they need to meet. So usually you have like a global policy that, that secures your web browser access, a global policy that secures mobile access, one that secures desktop application access. And then if you have specialized apps, So let's say you're deploying SAP, right? Some big app that actually has like, deploying SAP has like 27 apps within it. Usually I'll create a dedicated conditional access policy for that app, right? Um, That way, if I need to modify my policy for uh, logging into SAP, I'm not killing my M365 policy as well. So you think about it from that perspective also.
1: Do you also do unique policies for guest accounts.
2: Yes, usually um, unique ones for guest accounts because usually you have some um, uh, additional security controls around guest accounts. Yeah, and then there's there's a few policies also that are that are available that people don't tend to think about. Like you can easily have a policy to block Tor exit nodes, right? Like honestly, in a corporate environment, you should be blocking all access to Tor to the Tor browser. So you can easily put in place a policy block Tor exit nodes, and then people can't connect to. To tour through through um, uh, Azure AD, um, you can require people to go through the terms of use, right? So have you know first time they're accessing the environment, or every so often, have the terms of use come up, have them read through it, agree to it, and it records that they've agreed to it. That's another easy one. Um, you can require people to um, enroll in MFA from a trusted location, meaning your corporate network. So someone has to VPN in or has to come into the corporate network the first time they enroll in MFA. That helps to prevent attackers being the first ones that access an environment through MFA and they put their own cell phone in, because I've seen Mm -hmm. that happen. So there are some of those basic policies that you don't see that people should really be using.
1: Very
0: interesting. There's a lot to think about there and a lot to be able to, that you need to be aware of if you're going to be administering conditional access policies. Antonio, because I know, right, one podcast, this could be a week-long workshop, right? Um, yeah. We recommend that people go to learn more about what they need to know to manage conditional access policies?
2: Um, that's a great question. Um, there's a lot of info that Microsoft has published on um, uh, not only how to configure them, but what the best practices are around conditional access. So some of the stuff I've mentioned comes from there. Um, so I think that Microsoft documentation is a great place. Uh, to do that, and then there's a lot, there's several community people that also um, uh, publish videos and so on on conditional access. So, there's a lot of information out there in the community as well.
1: So, if I am new to this, I've never done conditional access policies, and I want to start doing it, what are your top three, if I would say, conditional access policies that you recommend?
2: Top three conditional access policies that's a good one. Um, good yeah. So I would say um, require people to use MFA to access your corporate environment. And uh, when doing that, I like to recommend, a lot of people aren't going to like this, but I like to recommend use MFA in every single circumstance. Whether you are VPN into the corporate network, whether you're physically on the corporate network or whether you're off the corporate network, require MFA. Um, there's a lot of instances where people put in, well, if someone's connected to the corporate network, we don't require MFA. That leaves big gaping holes for attackers to actually make use of that. Um, So I would say require MFA is one. Um, Another one, if your devices are hybrid Azure AD joined or Intune managed, require managed device to to log in. That's a second one. And then a third one, and there's some license implications to this, I do actually like the risk-based policies. So conditional access has this, you know, um, risk-based conditional access policy, and it looks for risky users or risky sign-ins. Those are actually really good for eliminating many uh, many risks, many, you know, um, uh, malicious uh, attackers trying to to log into the environment. Um, With those risk-based policies, though, you don't have a lot of control over them. There's just a high, medium, low. Um, So, you know, high risk, medium risk, low risk. Uh, I would always set them to high. um, So it blocks any high risk. The moderate and the low, I've seen a bit too many false positives with those. Um, and people, you know, get blocked when they shouldn't be blocked. Uh, but setting the risk-based policies on high, um, that tends to block a lot of malicious activity. So those are my top three. I like it.
0: That's a good question. I like
2: it. I well, think like was-
0: um, pretty detailed overview of what to think about.
2: There's a lot there in conditional access. Like it yeah, It seems simple. We do recommend starting off with a few simple policies and everyone making use of it. But really think about the design of them and manage those conditional access policies carefully. Have some governance over them. Use some standard practices like a naming convention like what we talked about um, as you, you kind of built that up.
1: Yeah, you heard that governance is the key, whether you're doing conditional access policy back in Azure AD or information management governance governance is always a key to help you manage anything in your tenant. And with that, thank you. It was awesome. It was a really good, good topic. And thank you for listening. And I'll see you next time. Bye.
0: Thank you.